0: Come on, give me an air hug. Good to see you today. Good to see you. Tell your neighbor you're glad they're here. And you may be seated. Well, great to have you today. Hey, uh, how many, honest question, uh, like to be used and taken advantage of? Let me see your hand. Okay, well, I'm a, a couple of us, maybe one. I'm going to break the curve here. Uh, I don't mind being taken advantage of by one person, by my grandson. I'll give you something funny to laugh at here. Uh, My grandson's three. In case you can't figure that out, we're sitting in my chair there. And, of course, he's snoozing. Uh, We've got the monkey and we've got his little blankets. He calls them night-nights with him there. And it's kind of a special place. Three-year-olds are active. They're not much of snugglers and huggers. I I, I really miss that about having young kids. But uh, he stayed with us a bit during this COVID. And uh, he would periodically say throughout the day, Uh, Pops, uh, your room. And of course I knew what that meant. Uh, Naively I thought he wanted to sit by me, but I came to figure out that he wanted to watch Paw Patrol and eat my chocolate almonds. (laughs) And we came to grips quickly with how many almonds he could have and he would sit in that little chair and he would say, Henry likes chocolate. And I'd just happily give him a couple. And then when his show was over, I said, well, it's Pop's time to watch his television show. And he'd say, okay. And then he'd take his monkey and his blanket and off he would go. So uh, I guess it's okay if a little boy wins your heart like that. How about that? Hey, turn your Bibles. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. I want to read a story about the end of the life of John the Baptist. Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest man that was born of women. Think about that, the epitaph from Jesus himself about the greatness of this man. John the Baptist, many believe, or scholars believe, that he could have baptized upwards of 600,000 people in the Jordan River. This man was the precursor, or he was the one that led people to Christ. Uh, he was the voice in the wilderness. But now John's in jail. King Herod had imprisoned John, as a favor to his wife Herodias. Here's an interesting little background. She was the former wife of Herod, Philip's uh, brother, Philip. In other words, I got, I married my, Herod uh, married his brother's wife. And John told him, it's against God's law for you to marry her. It was adultery. He said this to a person of power. Well, verse 6, the story unfolds. It's a big birthday party. Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod. And he promised to give her anything she wanted. Now, I need to tell, tell you, fellas, that could be dangerous. Come on, all the guys said, Amen. ladies, I hope you get what you want, okay? But he promised her to give her anything she wanted. And strangely, this girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist. That's barbaric. They literally took a sword and cut his head off, brought it to her on a platter. Notice what happened. John's disciples came for the body, and they buried it. And they went and told Jesus what happened. And as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. The greatest man that ever lived, that was ever born of a woman, was beheaded. And if I could add something to the Bible, I would add this, and God didn't stop it. John was beheaded and God didn't stop it. God didn't cause it, but God allowed it, and all we can do is scratch our heads. Uh, Their mothers were were cousins, so they were related. God did nothing. Jesus was shaken by the crisis. It reminded him that in the not-too-distant future, we're up in Matthew 14, Jesus is perhaps halfway through his public three-year ministry. Jesus is going to face death. He's going to face humiliation. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be scourged. He knew this. He'd be crucified, and then he'd rise again. And this shook Jesus. And Jesus felt he had to be alone. Well, listen, to it, friends. Crises happen in our life as well. Now, how I many know trouble surrounds us in life? Jesus told us, in this world, you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Trouble going to be in the world. But I'm talking about a crisis that has the potential to rob your faith from you. I'm talking about a crisis that, has, that, that can make you walk away from God. A crisis that has the potential to make you stop praying. A crisis that has the potential to make you just roll over on Sunday morning and watch a television show rather than come to church because you feel like God's let you down. You don't understand This is not something that happens every day, but it happens periodically in the life of a believer. And I want to help you today see from the Bible how we recover from a crisis. I'm going to give you three words I'm going to look at, three R words. We first need to renew ourselves physically, emotionally. We need to reconnect to God, the faith that's drained from us. We need to get it back so that we can resume our mission. Every one of us in this room today have a mission in life. You may be here, you may be over 65, you may be retired from your job, but how I many know we never retire from serving the Lord? There's a mission that will follow us that, 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 that God had in mind from the day of our birth to the day of our natural death. And every one of us have a calling on our life. You may look at me and you can say, well, I see your calling, you're a, a vocational minister, you're just as called as I am. My job is to equip you, to train you, to do the work of the ministry, what God has called you to do, but a crisis has the potential to stop you dead in your tracks. And this is what I want to talk talk about this morning. I've entitled The Morning Shaken, and uh, the heart of the message, we're going to go back to Jesus and see how he recovered, but I want to digress just a moment, and I want to talk about unexpected crises. Uh, Let me give you just a few examples why they happen in our lives. How about, first of all, an obvious one, uh, Satan's direct attack. How many know the devil is real? He comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. How about if you're Job? You wake up one morning, your life is perfect, uh, you're wealthy, uh, your children love you, everything is going great, but when you go to bed that night, all your children are killed and all your businesses are bankrupt, they're over. And then a few days later, you have a debilitating disease and nobody wants to be around you. How do you explain that crisis? Well, we look back and we know Satan was behind it, but Job had no clue. How about another example? Just the consequence of Adam's original sin. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God said the day you sin, you'll surely die. Something was injected in the human race. People have been dying. Bad things have been happening. Lazarus, you remember in the Bible, uh, died a natural death. Uh, here's a third one that we, we miss sometimes. God's discipline for our sin. Sometimes we're in a crisis. We don't understand why things are falling apart. And it could be God trying to say, hey, 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 turn around. You said, well, where'd you get that, preacher? I'm glad you asked. That was my only near joke, and you didn't even laugh. Uh, the ancient Israel, you remember, uh, they had been warned for centuries that they needed to walk with God lest judgment would come. And then one day they find themselves in the city of Jerusalem and the adjoining cities and Nebuchadnezzar is coming to take them captivity into Babylon. It gets so bad they have no food, they have no water. They even kill their children for food. How horrible you could say. "Why Why did that crisis happen? Their sin brought them to that place. Maybe that's what's happening in America today. Maybe it's not just social upheaval we're experiencing Maybe God's trying to say that you've turned your back on me. And this is an evidence, what you're seeing around you, the the, the hostility, the violence, the lack of peace, the unrestrained disease. Maybe God is trying to say, you can't live without me. Another example, of course, rebellion against, uh, against God by people close to you. Maybe you are Jonah and you're on a ship, you're running from God. But have me know, you're not the only one on that ship when the storm comes on the ocean. Job's friends were on that ship. They didn't do anything wrong, but they were just close to someone. So there's lots of reasons why crises come. I'm not necessarily concerned today about why they come, but that they come and what we do when they come. You see, the crisis has the power to drain our faith. Like a bathtub filled with water and you pull the plug and it evaporates. Listen to the words of David Psalm 22 it's it's accredited to, that Jesus would say these same words but listen to what David said David said, My God. "My God when I do this I want you to say what's on the screen why have you abandoned me? Why is one of the most searching words in the scripture why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? every day I call to you God but You don't answer. Have you ever felt like that? It's like we live our life as Christians when we come to Christ. If this cup represents our life, if this water represents what God has done in us and through us, we come to Christ, we're as excited as we can be. Prayers are answered, we quote Bible verses, we see God's direction, people's lives are empowered, and it's just I mean, it's like we are just so full of God. You can go up to that person, and it's just like you can just see Jesus on their face. But a crisis happens. Something happens. You pray for a loved one. And you go in there with great faith and oil. And that loved one doesn't live, but they die. And you go back to work and you lose your job. Your spouse serves you with divorce papers. And pretty soon, that life that was filled with God... It's empty, and you're looking around trying to find God and wonder what happened. I want to help you today. You ever been there? I've been there a time or two in my life. Let me say this before we get into what Jesus did about the crisis. Faith in a crisis does two things. Faith helps you receive from God, but faith also helps you endure the crisis. Because not every crisis has a happy ending. I mean, like happy endings. Sure, I do too. I guarantee you this week when uh, the governor of Texas came out and said, okay, we're going to have to cut back on some things, some outdoor activities, uh, bars being open and other things, this thing is spreading. I mean, a lot of people weren't happy. There was not a happy ending yet. Uh, But in faith, sometimes we go through something and it's our faith that gets us through it. Let me read you Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were three Jewish boys Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, built this pagan statue out of gold and he said, you got to fall down and worship it. If you don't worship it, I'll kill you. And that's what an uh, autocratic society does. That's what the dictator does. And he told them, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Now listen to this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, listen to this now, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. Now, I mean, no, that's, you just feel that in your bones. I mean, you just, when you hear those words, I mean, they're looking at, at a king that has the power to take their life, and they basically say, you can't touch this. Our God is able to deliver us, and, he'll, and everybody's looking around. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 18. Say it with me. This is the defining mark. Even if God doesn't deliver me, I'm still not going to serve your God or worship the gold statue. You see, my faith is not just in the answer that I want. My faith is in the sovereignty of God. Come on now. And whether God delivers me supernaturally or whether God lets me go through the fire and the fire burns me, I'm still coming out on the other side praising God. I'm still going to be a believer. I'm not going to let the crisis destroy me. I'm not going to let my faith be tied to the answer. My faith is tied to God. I'm preaching better than you're amening today. All right, now with that little background of a crisis, I want to get into what Jesus did. And again, we've got three R's we're going to look at. Renew, reconnect, and I have to look at the third one, resume. (laughs) Renew, reconnect, and resume. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, let's see what Jesus did. Verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, there's something powerful about that. Why did Jesus want to be alone? Well, Jesus wanted to be alone because he needed to renew himself physically and emotionally. He needed to reconnect with God so he could resume his mission. Let's explore this. The word renew in a crisis, we need to renew ourselves not only physically but emotionally. Uh, God designed us as a three part being. How many know we're body, soul, and spirit? And when we do physical work, I mean, no, we get tired. We need to rest. Uh, yesterday morning, I, I got up and I, I decided I was going to do some yard work. And I've got a wildflower patch out uh, by my house. And uh, I saw some weeds that were growing out there. And I realized I hadn't put down the watering system for the fruit trees yet. And they needed some mulch around the trees. So I thought, I'm going out there. And I stepped out the door. It was a little after 9 o'clock. And my first thought was, it's hot. I'm going back inside. I'll ask Lynelle if she'll do it. I didn't do that. I liked it, but but after a couple hours, I was sweating. I mean, I was just drenched. I was tired. My bees got after me, and I got stung, and I just thought, I told my wife, I said, honey, the most profound Bible verse that I know of at this moment in time is I'm too old to dig. But you know what? I went in. I refreshed. I sat under the fan. I got off the wet clothes. I dried myself off and a little air conditioner coming through and I felt refreshed again. But that's physical refreshment. Emotional refreshment is different. When there's stress, pressure, worry, fear, it can take a toll on us. But God has a solution. It is to rest. When we talk about recreation, we talk about having fun. They're tied together. But the word recreation means to re- recreate. We recreate ourselves in activities that are both physically and emotionally stirring. Genesis chapter 2, let me show you the root of this. After God created the heavens and the earth, it was the seventh day God did what? He rested. He rested. And this word rested is the root word from which we get the uh, uh, translation, Sabbath. God took a Sabbath on the seventh day. Uh, It is a a day of rest to stop the week's work. We rest, we replenish our emotional, our physical reserves. Uh, I I suggest to you the Sabbath is still applicable to us today. Not just as a day of worship, but as a day of, of rest, where we recreate ourselves. Because, friends, let me tell you this. If we don't rest... If you get yourself in a crisis, or if you just work yourself as a workaholic, but if a crisis hits your life and you don't rest, you're going to crash. You cannot bear the weight of the world on your shoulders in perpetuity. But not only are you going to crash, you're going to make some bad decisions, and a real good chance is that you will slip into your flesh. When I am tired, my spiritual guard is not up and Satan I'm a prime candidate for him to knock me into some form of of activity to knock me down. But but that first thing you when you're in a crisis and I'm not talking about just when you're had a bad day or things are not going well. I'm talking about when a John the Baptist is beheaded and you don't understand where God is. See a lot of times we go through a crisis and we just our faith gets deeper. We get stronger. We plug in. I'm talking about those times When the cup is empty. I'm talking about those times when you just don't feel to go to the house of the Lord. When you feel like your prayers have not been answered. Something has happened to your faith that's drained out. And this is the second word I want to talk about. It is reconnect. We reconnect to God to build our faith. Um, Jesus wanted to be alone. Which means he wanted to be away from people. But the great news is, is he wasn't alone from God. How many know Jesus went to be with his Father? And there's a lesson for us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, be sure of this. Jesus said, I am with you. Oh, well, wouldn't that imply, what is today, June, what is June 28th? Doesn't that mean that Jesus says, I'm with you on June 28th, 2020? Jesus is with us. So the question is, if he wants to be with me, how do I reconnect to God? How do I get my faith back in a crisis Or more specifically, what do I do when I get alone with God? If Jesus showed us the pattern, whether it's an afternoon, a couple hours, a day, a couple days, or you get a cabin and you go somewhere, what do I do in that period of time where I've set apart to be alone with God? We're going to go to Psalm 42, and we're going to look and read the words of David. When I am down... I get down, so I've been, I had a little melancholy the last probably week or 10 days, uh, for a couple days. And when I get down, um, I realize that something needs to change. My circumstances are defining me. And when I want to get alone with God, here's the first thing I do I pour out my heart to God. Now, listen, I ask God questions and I tell him how I feel. And when I ask him questions, I'm not necessarily looking for a voice to answer back. But what I'm doing is I'm pouring out my heart. It's kind of like a spiritual catharsis. Uh, And it's not like God doesn't know. But it's something about getting the emotion out of you. Let me read a verse or two. David said this in Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me, where is your God? Listen to Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet. And Habakkuk prophesied at a time when God was judging the nation of Israel... And Habakkuk doesn't understand why. And he's just perplexed because he wants life to be perfect again. Listen to what Habakkuk said. How long, Lord, must I call for help? God, I, I, I call. You don't listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry out, but you don't come to save. You say, well, pastor, I'd be scared to talk to God like that. Now, look, don't shake your hand at him. Okay, that's not, that's not too good. But I've always welcomed an honest conversation with my children. I've always welcomed an honest conversation with my wife, with church family, with members. There's something about getting the pressure, the emotion, the misunderstanding. John the Baptist is beheaded and no answer was there whatsoever. Don't you think you need to get that out of your system? In Acts chapter 12, one of the greatest miraculous chapters in the Bible, if your name is Peter... Peter's in prison in the middle of the night. He's supposed to be killed the next day. An angel comes in that very night. History records it. A light shines in the, in the cell. He gets up. His chains fall off. He supernaturally walks out of the place. They, he's gone and nobody, nobody checked him out. God just got him out. But that same chapter, a verse earlier than Peter, says James was beheaded. No explanation. No explanation. James probably had children, he probably had a wife, and they're just wondering why. And I want to tell you, it is not a bad thing. It is a healthy thing to when you go to get alone with God to talk to God and ask why. God, why, cannot I, why can't I not have a baby? Why did my wife get cancer? Why have you not taken this scourge of anxiety from me? Are you with me? It's a good thing, it's a starting place. But how many know it's not an ending place? Because what most people do, that's where they stop. Because that's where your feelings are. You feel around this. You're disappointed. You're confused. You're worried. Don't stop there with the feeling. Let me tell you something to do. Number two, and I've got three, four things here. Look back and remember what he's done. In other words, when you're in a ditch, you want to look back when you weren't in a ditch. Listen to Psalm 42, verse 4. These things, David said, again, we're going through 42. I remember as I pour out my soul to you, I used to go to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. So he's looking back and he's saying, I want to do that again. I want to get back to being a praiser. I'm I'm tired of being in depression. Then he said, I remember from the land of Jordan, the Jordan River was a place of miracles. He looked back and he saw what, what God did. And, and, and when David stopped thinking about his current problem and started thinking about what God had done before, faith began to awaken in his heart. I, I have to do this. you remember when this COVID thing started? Who in their wildest imaginations would have said six months ago that the nation and the world would be shut down, that restaurants would be closed, the mall would be closed, we wouldn't go to church For three months, we went to church. I was standing in front of a little camera talking to you, and you were sitting on your couch eating donuts. Come on. And then if you wanted another donut, you went back to get another donut. It's just different being at home. Listen, I love you that are watching live stream, but it was different for me. The presence of the Lord, it was just different for me. And when that thing started, I'm thinking, Huh, we just bought this big old building. (laughs) And we're remodeling this building, and we're not even having church. And you know what I did? When fear began to come in, I looked over my shoulder, and I looked at the first 10, 12, 15 years we were here. We were broke. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. It was just trouble. But as I looked back at that, I thought, no staff person ever missed a meal, and we never said no to a missionary. And that gave me faith that in those days, when it was Dollar for dollar kind of thing, in and dollar out. God took care of us. And the same God that took care of us then is the same God that took care of us, can take care of us today. Now that's not just a preacher talking. Do you realize over the last three months, our finances have been stronger than at any point in the church's history? The same time we were not meeting in this building, God was still blessing people and people were still being obedient. Come on. And we have have been able to expand the scope of what we're doing in our new building. Rather than draw back and say, oh please, if you don't give a nickel today, we're not going to be able. Instead of doing that, we're going to do more. Why is that? It's because God is a faithful God. But when when you've got a hole in your cup and you don't remember it, you've got to look back over your shoulder. Come on, I'm helping you now. Remember what God has done in your past. Let me give you another one. Look ahead. This is number three. And remember what he promised you. Last week or week or two, I go over there about once a week. And if you've not gone lately, you need to go. Monday through Friday, it's open. They're working in there. Just tell them you're a shareholder. I'm coming in to see what's happening. Come on. But you just, I'm just, I get so excited every time I walk in. And the last time I walked in, I had this thought come in my mind. I said, huh, we have twice as big a building and half the attendance because of COVID. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? And then again, I go back and I think when God told us to start this. When God said, "Start raising money, start dreaming, start believing," and I felt the Holy Spirit's word come to me to go. That that keeps us going forwards. Uh, the worst crisis I've ever had in my life was uh, for years, and I share this openly. I began to battle with panic attacks and, and, a, and an anxiety disorder, is all they knew to call it after Linnell's uh, cancer. And, and my ears began to would ring, you know, tinnitus, and, and it would be like a trigger, and it was just horrible, just horrible. And I would tell people, they would say, Well, what does it feel like? Because I, don't, I don't, can't relate to it. I said, Imagine you're on top of a 100 story building, you stand to the edge, and you don't know if you're going to fall or not. And I said, I live in that. And one day, from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, and one day I was walking around my driveway, and I was complaining, praying. You ever done that? I was complaining, praying to God, and I just said, God, I just cannot do this. I just feel like every day I'm going to just fall off this cliff. And I heard the Lord say, if you fall, I'll catch you. (laughs) And, 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 And it did something to me it gave me a capacity to go forward. You say, "Pastor, why didn't he just stop it?" I don't know. I wish you would ask him and him and tell you. Cuz I don't know, but what I do know, John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus took a break and then he got back in his mission. And this is what we need to do. Let me give you another one and this is uh, I would say the most important thing when you're trying to rebuild your faith, get your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need some worship music on. You need to spend some time alone with God, and you need to listen to what the Lord would tell you to do, friend. It is irreplaceable. Uh, Psalm 42, David said, At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. When everything's going great, listen, you can can, uh, get off work, stop by your restaurant, get it delivered to the car, go home, put your feet up, watch TV, play in the yard, go swimming in the pool or whatever you like to do. But when you're in a crisis, you need something different. You need time alone with God to sort things out, to hear the Lord, to get through it. Uh, Satan's trying to stop you. Let me just go ahead and tell you in case you didn't know it. Satan's trying to use circumstances virtually every day of your life to stop you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. He wants to stop your life's mission. If he can divorce, get you divorced, if he can get you to make a stupid decision, if he can get you to go back into drugs, if he can get you to create, uh, commit some violent act and go to prison, if he can do anything to stop you from your mission, he will. Let me give you one more before I wrap up. The fifth thing that I'd tell you about how to, how to restre- or strengthen your faith, renew your faith with God, is you have to make a choice that you're walking by faith and you're going to get in the game. Uh, Psalm 42, David said this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Say it with me. Hope in God. God. I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. This whole psalm, as we've been reading through it, where he griped, complained, and didn't know what he was going to do, at some point he shook himself. Go and grab yourself and just shake it just a second here. Some of you wouldn't do anything I asked you to do, would you? If I said, if you shake yourself, Dan Burge will give you $20. Dan, would you stand up just so we can (laughs) confirm this is true? If you'll shake yourself, Dan will give you... (laughs) Sometimes you have to shake yourself. When I have a little depression going on, a little melancholy, my wife can pat me and that doesn't do me any good. Come on. You can watch your television until it quits playing. You can watch that TiVo, or whatever it's called, that DVR, until it just says, I ain't doing this anymore, I'm tired. At some point, you've just got to look in the mirror and say, Self, it's time to get up, and we're going after God. We're not going to let, listen, life is not perfect. We're not going to let what's happened stop us, because God is still a good God. I am still a believer, and I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to fulfill the destiny that's on my life, because I'm going to hear Jesus say to me, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, give him a a big hand today. Let me wrap up with this one. The third R, it is to resume after the crisis, we can resume our mission. I'm telling you, friend, God has a calling that's on your life. America is in need of us today. Let me say it again. America is in need of us today. We, 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 uh, America is still, there's still a racial hostility and crisis. It may not be as big and profound in Little Texarkana, USA, but we are, our country is still in a crisis. We still need, listen, we need answers. We need a voice. At some point, the violence will stop, but the answers still need to be there. Why can't they come from the people of God? Come on now. Why can't we be the example where these things and these answers uh, come forth? I want to tell you something that just surprised me. Um, You know, when this whole racial thing came up, I just started talking to pastors and elders and my friends and my staff about what we would do, you know, what our part might be. And uh, I had several things that I felt to do. And, you know, obviously, you know, you teach from the Bible, about what the Bible teaches about a right way to deal with issues of inequality and other things. But uh, we, we helped organize a prayer meeting downtown. We had 25 pastors come out and pray. Um, we did a big roundtable, an uh, interracial roundtable, about how the church is a place of healing and wholeness in the midst of the racial uh, turmoil. But another thing we did is, is I had a, a, I felt the Lord want me to invite an African-American pastor in town to come and pray. Uh, I'll come and preach at our church. And I, I shared the pulpit with him that day. And, and a, a good friend became a better friend. But I'm going to tell you what else happened after that. Uh, his wife, unbeknownst to us, uh, had had kidney problems. And she desperately needed a kidney transplant. And uh, she had been waiting for a long period of time. And uh, so it happened five days after he was here, uh, she went to get her kidney transplant. And... what? <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that had anything to do with us, to glory to the Lord. But here's what got, here's what, just, I watched all the people from our church, white people, black people, people, reach out to them in prayer, in love, in calls. The day they get home, my wife's bringing food over there. Friday, I'm trying to go home. And Pat Stewart is bugging me on my phone, and I answer it, and I said, what is it, dear? And she said, I want to bring the Rileys some food. Why? Because I care about them. My brother, my sister in Christ. See, while the world is in this hostile hatred thing, we as Christians can be examples in loving our neighbor acknowledging what we've done wrong, participating in processes to help the world that's going on. You know, I believe in participating. I had a friend that uh, challenged me on that, and I decided I'd get a little more involved. So what I did is I saw in the paper the NAACP was having a meeting with the mayor and the uh, 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 chief of police, and uh, I thought, I'm going to go. And I tried to go, and they told me I wasn't welcome (laughs) because it was a closed meeting. But I'm trying to do something. Are you with me? We are people with answers. We are people with answers. We are people with compassion and with love and can point people towards forgiveness. We can diffuse the hatred in America with the love of God. Come on now. It is no. It is in my lifetime. There's been no greater, greater opportunity for the church to rise up to provide leadership in a confused world. And you know who the church is. Come on now. It's you. It's me. And it's every believer in this room today. Come on. Give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Let me wrap this up. This word resume. After the crisis, we resume our ministry. After we've renewed physically, emotionally. After we've reconnected with God, we're ready to serve the Lord. Let's close with the words of Jesus. Matthew 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left to a remote area to be alone. We know that. But look at the very next verse. The crowds heard where he was headed and they followed him. Jesus then, he saw the huge crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. What are you saying, Pastor. I'm saying Jesus gave us a model. Jesus didn't have a long time to rest and recuperate, but he took a little alone time. And when he took that alone time and got strong with God, and the mission, the opportunity came before him again, he was right there in the middle of it. He didn't have to tell him, I'm on vacation. He didn't have to say, I'm on a sabbatical. He just simply got back into his mission and doing what God had called him to do. God had a mission for Jesus to do, and God has a mission for us. A crisis may knock us down, but we're not going to stay down. We're going to be like David. I close with this. In Psalm 42, David said, why am I so sad? Why am I so upset? I'm going to say it with me. Put my hope in God and keep praising him. Come on, we're going forwards. We're men and women on a mission. And God's going to use us to do big things in our city and in our world. Come on, give him one more big hand today. He's worthy of our praises. Why don't you stand to your feet with me, and I want to I close in prayer today. We're so honored that you're here today. Again, we are not, uh, we are not uh, uh, meeting on Wednesday night because we don't have the space to adequately separate the kids, but we're having our live stream. It starts at 630 for the adults, 630 we've got some worship and preaching. But when you leave today, let me encourage you, all four doors are open. Do your best to social distance even as you're getting your kids Uh, uh, hang around with people and visit along as you like. Uh, If you're a guest, there's a little guest card in the back of that chair. If you missed it, you can put it in one of the buckets by the door. If you have a tie they're offering to bring, you can put that there as well. But uh, I want us to take just a second. I want you to just bow your heads. Because we've been talking about a difficult subject today. We've been talking about a subject that strikes at the very heart of who we are. About a crisis that has the potential to Take our faith away and drain it. And if you're here today and this has resonated with you, and you say, Pastor, I, I have a crisis circling my life. I've been in a crisis for a season of time, but I'm ready to get out. I need God to help me. Would you just lift your hand right now all over the building? Yeah, yeah, all over the building. Yeah, several dozen people. Yeah, yeah, you're doing this for God, not for me. You don't have to come up here or anything. Just say, God, I need you to help me. I want us just to reach out to heaven right now. Just slip your hands to heaven and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come and reach out to heaven in this just quiet little alone moment for a moment or two. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. For some of us, we're going to have to squeeze in our life. We're going at Mach 3. We're going to have to find some time to get an afternoon or a day or two days to be alone and be quiet and recreate ourselves. But Lord, for the bulk of us, it's rebuilding our faith. Holy Spirit, we want to ask you to repair the holes in that styrofoam cup, which is our life. Come on, reach out to heaven right now. Holy Spirit, help us be released from the disappointment of why John was beheaded. Help us be released, God, from the stare backwards. When we look backwards, God, we don't want to just see what happened. We want to see beyond that and see what you've done before. But well, we want to turn and look ahead and see what you've promised us to do. And as we open our Bible, reading perhaps even in the Book of Psalms, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you let us hear your voice, so can we can make that step to go forwards with God, because our mission is calling us. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Come on, say it out loud. Say welcome. I can't do this alone. It's too big for me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Help me in Jesus' name. We're going to close with one last song, and here's how we'll do it. I want to ask our prayer team if you'll come up to the front right now. We have men and women that are here for you. If after our last song, and we dismiss, if you'd like for somebody to pray for you, just stay in your chair, just be seated, and they'll come to you. Uh, if you're comfortable they'll lay hands on you if not uh, they, they'll just pray from a distance but we want to pray for you today particularly if you're in the middle of a crisis if you want you know you heard the saying sometimes I, 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 I just need Jesus with some skin on uh, what I mean by that is I need another person that has Christ in them to join their faith and we'd be honored to pray the most important prayer I'd like to pray today is if you're here and say pastor my greatest need is to get right with God Maybe you're here and you're honest enough to say that you've tried to find happiness in life apart from God. You're honest enough to say, I've gone my own way and it didn't work. And there's a hole that's in your heart right now. It's a God-shaped hole. And you can try to fill that up with money and you can fill it up with pleasure and alcohol, anything you want to. But the problem is it's going to be empty because it's like a bucket with a hole in it. It's a God-shaped hole that Jesus Christ can fill. I promise you, friends, that the happiest and the most sense of satisfied and a sense of purpose that you could ever have in life is when you're rightly connected to Jesus Christ and you follow him. You may say, Pastor, how do I do? I want that. I need that. Let me tell you what I did in 1976. It was August 15th, a long time ago. It was a Navy boot camp. And I simply bowed my head in prayer and asked God to forgive me. But I didn't stop there. I said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. And I'm going to commit my life to follow you the rest of my life. And I want to tell you, friends, I didn't see a lightning bolt. Something happened to me that day. Jesus Christ literally came in my life and changed me. And if that's what you need, maybe you used to walk with the Lord and God away. Today you want to come back. We want to pray with you. So if you're here today and you want to do what four people did, I think, last night. They gave their lives to Christ. I'm going to ask you when this song starts playing, just come and just come on the front row and be seated so we'll know who you are. We don't want to miss you. We'll talk to you and we want to give you some things that's going to help you in your journey. I promise you, you take that step to Christ. And Jesus will meet you and give you the change you're longing for. Go ahead and begin to pray, Pastor Michael. It's been an honor to have you today. We'll dismiss after this song. I love you.